Welcome to Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm your host. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, Fides is Latin for faith and truth, and that's what we do on this show is talk about truth and talk about faith. Uh, thanks for being here. Uh, the great song that you're hearing in the background was my friend Frank Camp. You could find him on Spotify. Great song. This song is called Heaven Can Wait. But thanks for being here, and let's get right to it. Okay, and welcome to another edition of Fides Podcast. My name is Jerry Serino, and I'm going to start off with my brand new phrase to honor the great Rush Limbaugh and say that here is talent on loan from Rush. So all of you that know and have listened to Rush um, as long as I have and and uh, certainly are upset about his passing, uh, would appreciate that. Talent on loan from Rush. Uh, welcome to Fide's podcast. Uh, my guest today is Layla Miller. Layla is a Catholic author and writer. Layla, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Jerry. I'm so glad to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you're here. And um, I, I have a few things to talk about with you. You, you. you are writing some great things. You have some books and, and you write a blog and you have some really interesting things. And I'm going to only just for the sake of time, talk about a couple of the things um, that you write about. But I want to make sure that we hit at the very end so that everybody listens through the whole thing. This is my little teaser is uh, to ask you about the biggest mistake of modern Catholic parents. So if you oh, want to know yes. what the biggest mistake of modern Catholic parents is, listen to the end. So, um, so Layla, um, one of the things that you talk about is, um, you know, how to prepare kids to face today's moral issues. Um, give us just a brief overview on, on what you, you know, when you, what you write about are the primary challenges that our kids generation face. Yeah, it's pretty um, desperate out there in the culture. Um, I have children uh, ages 29 down to 11. And I can say that in that span of time, the culture has changed so much that the first few of my children, we didn't have to discuss a lot of the issues. You know, we, we didn't get confronted with the quote unquote LGBTQ uh, issues, transgenderism, you know, gay stuff, all that wasn't really in any of their libraries, the books, the TV shows, the movies at that point, it was still pretty much that the culture could stay in line and understood the, um, the need for innocence for children on those issues. And also um, just kind of in line with God's created order as far as marriage and such. So then raising the second half of my kids, it's been completely different, of course. And we have social media and we have then all the big tech and the um, movies and the arts and everything else. And then this and the schools and the, the libraries really pushing nothing but this perverse kind of agenda for um, the disordered use of human sexuality. Mm -hmm. So that's been something that confronts all Catholic parents. And I find that most Catholic parents, especially maybe newer Catholic parents, don't have a lot of confidence because they never lived in a different era where they knew what it was like before or how to talk to their kids about it because everything now is based on feelings and not wanting to hurt people's feelings and really not uh, having had any good catechesis. So part of what we, what Trent Horn and I did with writing um, made this way, which is a book 
going through those issues mm -hmm. was to try to get back to what the church used to do, which was to teach based on the issue of, or the, uh, the template of natural law, which is God's created order, kind of looking at a thing and saying, what is the nature of a thing? What's this thing for? You know, how do we use it? If we misuse it, what happens, you know? So, um, the church always used to teach that way. And then somehow that went out of use a couple of few decades ago. Right. <clears throat> and that's what we need to get back to. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just making a point, thank you for bringing up it, that that topic is discussed in your book made this way is, is the title of the book. Uh, really great. I, you know, do you have any comments on you, you kind of touched, started touching on a little bit in that the additional challenges is, I think, as parents, as I, I'm a parent as well, and not only in facing the, the issues that are now out there, but it's now gotten to the point where our views are being censored or, or you know, hmm. we're, we're not allowed to even have the opinions <clears throat> and beliefs that we have. Is that an additional challenge that you see, especially as a parent and is in what you see in your writings? Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's just only in the past year or two that, and, and then really in the last six months or a few months that people are actually getting canceled, you know, the mm -hmm. cancel culture where you can't have these ideas out there. I know that Ryan Anderson just had his book. Um, I think it's when Harry became Sally, uh, completely taken off of Amazon and it's a scholarly work and it's not allowed anymore. So you can't even have these opinions, opinions that were absolutely normal and mainstream for all of, you know, American history and certainly, you know, world history and Christendom, of course. Um, and even in pagan, pagan societies, not always, obviously there've always been aberrant behaviors and things like that, but normal stuff, mm -hmm. like the basic stuff, male, female, what is marriage, you know, a bride and a groom, all that stuff. You, it was so mainstream and normal. You don't even think about it. And now you aren't even allowed to think those thoughts, much less put them out there. So uh, there it, it, it's, and it's accelerating. I always say, you know, when the devil gets going, he gets a little taste of, of, you know, victory in his mind and then he starts to accelerate and it becomes almost frantic and, you know, but his time is short. So now he's getting more and more uh, I would say, you know, he's, he's, he's frenzied, frenzied, it's, it's frenetic, it's, it's frantic. He's working overtime. The enemy is working overtime. And that's kind of the hallmark of who he is. You can always tell it's not a gentle, peaceful spirit that comes in when these things accelerate. And so we're seeing that. So we're seeing this big rush to uh, overpower Christian thought and, mm -hmm. and just natural law. Right. And when we see that, we know that's a hallmark of the devil. So it is, it's concerning, but it's not unexpected. And um, it, it is nothing that other generations of Christians haven't had to deal with, but with different types of issues. Mm -hmm. um, but we're going to be really uncomfortable and we're going to be persecuted. And so we need to get prepared for that. And parents need to prepare for that because somehow they have to prepare their children for that or the faith, you know, is, is not going to be carried on. Yep, for sure. For sure. Absolutely true. Um, and so going on to another one of your books and you, and you have four and I'll, and I'll at the end, uh, towards the end, I'll, I'll would love for you to just, you know, briefly describe each of your books and then of course where people can get them. Uh, but one of your books is called primal loss, uh, the now adult children of divorce speak. Um, and I was wondering if you could give a, a brief overview of that, of that book. And then maybe if there's a couple of the stories that that you 
were most impactful to you about, because these are adult children. You write about a, these adult children who came from divorced families. Um, you know, maybe a couple of the stories that you heard that were most impactful to you. Oh gosh. Yeah. That was so something not on my radar in the many years that I was teaching the faith after my reversion. And I taught a lot on human sexuality and uh, different things, but and I was in theory, of course, against divorce. You know, we are as Catholics in theory, we're against it, but not in practice, mm-hmm. sadly. So um, it, it wasn't really on a whim, but it was almost on a whim. And the Holy Spirit kind of prompted me after discussion with a friend of mine who's an adult child of divorce to realize, wait a minute, you know, she's got some burdens she's carrying that I don't know anything about. And, and I want to know more about that. And so eventually what happened is I, I asked um, people on my social media platforms to, if they were an adult child of divorce, to answer eight questions that I just made up off the top of my head. The answers that about, about, well, it ended up being 70 people were able to respond. A lot more people tried, but it's very emotional for them. So there were anonymous answers. And I was so overwhelmed by what I didn't know. And I was 50 years old at the time that I started this book. I was so overwhelmed at the pain that these people carried in silence for decades, even that I, 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 it opened me up to a world I never knew about. And I wish now that I didn't know. Um, and they really aren't allowed to speak because of course, everything is about um, the adult's happiness and the adult's romance and making sure they're um, happy in their, uh, you know, with who their partner is. And so the kids of course are supposed to go along with it and be happy about whatever the parents do, because, you know, parents are happy. The kids will be happy. Kids are resilient. So the stories were strikingly similar, even though there were very different situations, um, different ages, different sexes, different uh, you know, levels of um, uh, happy divorce versus abuse versus mm-hmm. whatever. But the kids all suffered a loss of something very primal, obviously. Mm-hmm. Some of those losses were necessary in the sense of you know, very abusive situations, um, but still is a loss that is not acknowledged. And then most of them were, as most divorces are not in the high conflict area. And the kids were still, you know, they maybe had a really two parents who cooperated or doesn't matter. These kids are, they were anxiety ridden. They were split between two sides of, you know, the family. They, they had to be one person in one household, another person in another household they had to be strong for their parents. One parent was probably abandoned and falling apart. You had to be the adult, the other mm-hmm. parent um, you still love, but was, you know, done some terrible things to your family. I mean, there's so many different emotions. The kids can't process this. Right. So by the time they get to be adults, it's very difficult for them when they don't understand why they may have everything on the outside, but inside they're absolutely falling apart and they don't connect it all of the time to the shattering of their identity and their family in youth because nobody tells them that that's connected. So mm-hmm. a lot of things that come out of that, um, boy, I mean, again, the, mm-hmm. the, the stories I could tell, but one of the saddest things is that when it comes time for them to get married, they have never seen or don't know how to get through a, a conflict, you know, conflict to them leads to permanent separation. Mm-hmm. So they're either super pleasers where anything, you know, they think anything is to cause the end to their marriage, which for some, like one woman was so, she was married to a saint. She said, my husband's a saint. He never would leave me, but I was so, I was so anxiety ridden that the first two decades of her marriage, she was almost suicidal with anxiety. Like, when is this going to end? When is he going to leave me? When am I going to leave him? People would squirrel away money in their sock drawers and think of what they would have to do to be single parents. And, mm. um, 
they played psychological games with their with their spouses. One man said, you know, I always play this game in my mind of, you know, I'll, I'll be I'll be cruel to you so that you'll have to leave me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll force you. I'm, I'm not lovable and I'm going to prove that to you. And then I'm going to watch you leave. And I mean, and this poor wife didn't know what he was doing. So a lot right. of the spouses of the children of divorce don't know why their spouses act the way they do. Um, so this gives insight into that as well. But it really is kind of a lifelong suffering um that we're not supposed to talk about Mm -hmm. so uh we've got these walking wounded millions of people around and we don't give them any voice at all and um if if you want one one little story you know we have um pictures on the internet a lot of times of the the child of divorce with step parents and you see them at soccer games and the parents put up say look we get along so well we got the stepmom the stepdad and we get along ex-husband and ex-wife and we got mm-hmm. the child here and we're all at the soccer game and we got matching t-shirts and we got all this stuff and isn't it great this co-parenting and one lady gave me her um snapshot of what it was like to be that child being forced to kind of be smiley and happy in the middle of all that and she said i was that kid i i, I was the one at the soccer game who had to decide whether I was going to hug my mom first, hug my dad first. Was I going to go out afterwards, you know, to get a snack or ice cream after my game with my stepmom and my dad, or was that going to hurt their feelings? And then I'd have to navigate, you know, that hurt feelings. And then once she got hurt um, and had to go get an x-ray, but she could only take one adult into the x-ray room with her when she was 11. And she said um, she chose her mom and her stepmom rolled her eyes. And she thought, oh my gosh, I just offended my dad. Or she said the anxiety produced just with one or two, you know, soccer games at 11 Mm -hmm. was debilitating. And that's just, that's just one little tiny snapshot. And so even reading that when she she really expressed it very um, explicitly, and I was almost having anxiety reading it because Mm -hmm. it was so much of a burden to put on this poor kid. And the adults were more concerned about, um, you know, right. either appearances or uh, the step parents making sure that the other people, their spouse was comfortable, but the child is put in this impossible situation. Yeah. So that's one little bit of the anxiety that they feel, even though when you see the pictures online, everybody's happy and smiley and, right. and feeling supposedly feeling great about the whole thing. Right. And the kids are, I'm sure, trying to be strong and don't know how to handle these things at a young age. Um, that, that's, exactly. that's really interesting. I, 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 I think it's a really, uh, a definitely worth, uh, worth reading, especially if you're someone who comes from a divorced family. Um, it's excellent. Um, two things, two last things, um, you wrote in your blog and by the way, you can go to, uh, Lila Miller, Layla Miller. I'm sorry. My, my niece is, is Lila. So. Oh, no worries. It's, <laughs> I, I, I answered anything, but <laughs> yeah. Um, Layla Miller.net and Layla is spelled L E I L A. So LaylaMiller.net and um, you have access to all your books and you have a great blog and you write a lot of really great articles. Um, one, two of them. The, the last one is the, the biggest mistake of modern Catholic families that I or uh, parenting that I want you to address at the end, as you wrote about um, why I'm voting for Trump again. Mm-hmm. And um, in light of obviously the ultimately the election results, um, you know, give us a, a quick synopsis of that article and what prompted you to write it. Mm. Yeah, well, we have this thing again today that we base everything on how people feel. And um, it's a huge mistake because 
truth and results and uh, reality matter more than someone's feelings mm -hmm. and whether they feel, um, you know, the, the words today are just, you know, compassion and empathy and all this. And, and that's how we're supposed to vote right. <laughs> on whether or not someone seems to be compassionate or empathetic, you know, and, and that's so wrongheaded because politics mm -hmm. is about policy. It's not about your best friend, you know, or someone who's going to hold your hand when your dog dies or when you're, you know, sad. Um, that's not what politics is. Politics is about policy that's going to affect everyone in everyone's life for a long time. And judges that are appointed, for example, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it's just the Supreme Court people were worried about. No, I mean, there are so many federal judges, hundreds of federal judges mm -hmm. appointed that will determine whether or not Catholics can even be free to practice their faith anymore. Um, obviously, the life issues... Um, you know, Trump pointed, appointed many pro-life justices and, and, and judges throughout the, the, the circuit courts and the mm -hmm. district courts, um, issues of marriage, all the natural law issues that we talk about and the misuse of God's creation. Uh, Joe Biden, a Catholic, he doesn't, he absolutely is the world. I always say, you know, he could say he's a Catholic, but mm -hmm. the world loves his type of Catholicism because it's not in competition mm -hmm. with the secular world's quote unquote values. And Jesus said that we would be hated by the world. Well, the world loves Joe Biden Catholicism. Mm -hmm. That's a big problem. That's a big, big problem. So um, when we get away from the idea that politics is about policy and not about your feelings, mm -hmm. um, we are, we get into some major trouble. And right now we're, you know, we're really in a dark place politically mm -hmm. and Catholics are going to pay a huge price um, for that, for that bungling yeah, for <laughs> misunderstanding sure. of what, what politics is. Yeah, for sure. I, I couldn't agree more. It's uh, it's amazing that the, uh, those of us uh, that are Catholic are fighting a Catholic president who, who's some of his first acts were to do things contrary to the Catholic faith. Right. Yes. <laughs> Yet the person yeah, that, that we, we were told is some type of heathen Trump, who I love Trump, mm -hmm. but, you know, that he was horrible. Yeah. Yet he Same advanced here. the pro-life cause more than any president ever. It's amazing. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's just mind boggling. And that's yeah. where we know that, you know, this is the enemy is involved yeah. um, in in our culture right now yep. to a an extreme degree and we're being fooled and Catholics Catholics are so clueless. I mean, mm -hmm. we have been for many years. We're so poorly catechized. Um, we very, just a lack of leadership, a lack of catechesis. And we are, we are looking just like the world and that should be a major red flag. Yeah. And so far, you know, a lot of people just can't see it. Yep. Absolutely. Completely agree. Okay. So finally um, the biggest uh, in, this is in your blog, uh, you wrote about the biggest mistake of modern Catholic parents. So as a, Catholic parent as well. I had, uh, I was very excited when I saw this. Oh, I got to find out what this is. So uh, please tell us what is the, the biggest mistake of modern Catholic parents? Wanting to keep the love of your children, even when they go down the road to sin. So what parents are doing, and I see it all the time. And again, this goes back to feelings versus truth. Um, you have a child who let's say decides that they are, this child is going to be either, um, you know, transitioning to the opposite sex, which of course is impossible mm -hmm. or, um, 
LGBT, you know, I'm, I'm gay, mom, I'm gay and or I'm a lesbian, I'm, I'm, I'm a gay man, whatever. Um, or I'm leaving the church or I'm marrying outside the church or any of these different things that we know are uh, absolutely detrimental to their souls. I mean, this will, this will, you know, could cost them heaven mm-hmm. in the end. Um, and what parents do, and especially moms, because, you know, moms are the ones who are got that, that heart and those, those feelings they decide to kind of go along with the child. Um, Okay, honey, well, I'm going to come to your gay marriage, you know, or I'm going to be okay with you um, not going to mass anymore, even though you live in my house, you know, or I'm going to um, uh, placate you and make you, uh, I would never, ever say anything against what you're doing because Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose your love. And they also think that they're doing it because the child might really like run away from Christ. It's like, well, what you're not understanding is the child's already away from Christ. Um, You go with them and you start to go with the message of the world. Like that they already have, they've already taken that message and run with it. You go with them. And it's not that your child's going to come back, which is of course your hope is that, Oh, I'm going to do this because the child's going to come back to the church. If I just love them and meet them where they are and say, yes, Mm -hmm. let me come to your gay wedding. No, the opposite almost always happens, which is then the rest of the family, including the parents, including the mom and the dad, who tends to go along with it, they um, they also get swept out of the church. So Satan gets the entire family mm-hmm. rather than holding firm, still loving your child, but not going along with the sin, never never affirming or uh, you know, assuaging the conscience of your child in sin. Mm-hmm. And then your child will have something to come back to if you hold tight and, and stay firm in the faith while still loving that child. It's very possible to do right. that. So, right. no, I think that's key. That's a really good point. I mean, just looking at, I know my mom's listening cause she, she's my one constant listener. Um, hopefully I have many, <laughs> but um, you know, when we used to, is, is all my siblings, when we would butt heads, heads with my parents, it was really always over essentially them telling us, you know, our behavior is wrong. Um, and, but, you know, but knowing that they loved us no matter what, there was never that thought. And, uh, I think we passed that down to our kids, but I think what they instilled in us is, um, a conscience. We knew what was wrong. And as we matured and were able to handle that, uh, we grew up with that, uh, uh, that sort of that fabric of understanding. So yeah, great article, great blog. Um, if you want to read it in full detail, go to, uh, LaylaMiller.net. Uh, that's L-E-I-L-A Miller.net. Really great stuff on there. And uh, you have two other books other than, so Made This Way was the one about uh, how to prepare kids to face today's moral issues and primal loss about the now adult children of divorce. You have two other books, correct? Yes. So I had a follow-up to primal loss because some priests and my bishop were like, we really need a follow-up with some hopeful stories. And so mm-hmm. um, the, the latest book is called Impossible Marriages Redeemed. Mm-hmm. They didn't end the story in the middle. And it's basically stories of 65 uh, couples who um, persevered in very, very difficult situations and, and God redeemed their marriage, but it takes time and patience and many, many years sometimes. So, but that um, is full of hope that we don't have to divorce. Um, and then my very first book was called Raising Chaste Catholic Men. And uh, that's just kind of a practical mom to mom or some guy, mm-hmm. fathers like it too, but it's kind of a practical yeah. guide to what I have found to be helpful in raising. I have two girls and six boys and uh, 
just raising them to be chased, raising the boys to be chased in this crazy culture, um, just very practical um, day-to-day uh, advice for that. So. No, oh, that's great. Yep. Uh, th- that's excellent. So again, if you want access to, to the books and the, the blog uh, writings, which are really great, uh, go to LaylaMiller.net. Layla, this was great. This is really exciting. Uh, I could continue talking to you for quite a long time, but um, uh, I want to thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it too. Thank you so much, Jerry. And it's good to know there are other Catholic parents out there who really get it. And, you know, we have to be brave and courageous these days. So I appreciate what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And, uh, and thank all of you uh, for listening to another edition of Fee Days podcast with uh, my guest, Layla Miller. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.